the biggest misconception in spirituality, the biggest misunderstanding, the biggest mistake that I see people make when it comes to approaching spirituality is the belief that it's to make you feel better, that spirituality, the spiritual journey is to make you feel better. This is a simple statement and I'll unpack it and talk about its implications. But generally speaking, we get into spirituality, we become interested in it because we suffer or because we perceive that something's not quite right. The issue here is that we have a lot of interpretations or a lot of overlays that are already functioning that are tainting our experience of everything. And while our instinct about this is, is right, it's true that our contact with our true nature is veiled in some way. While it's true that we're not here to suffer, that something is off, something doesn't feel quite right, our equating that immediately with the idea of just feeling suddenly better or feeling a certain kind of happiness or joy or peace that we imagine, it's just off. It's not really how this goes. Largely the reason for that is because the happiness or joy that we seek, the belief that that's going to be sometime in the future, the learning about spirituality and spiritual concepts and trying to draw a map in the mind of those concepts and practices uh, to this believed idealized state, all of that is thought. All of it. It's just thought. Now, this doesn't mean that the spiritual instinct, let's call it, isn't authentic because it is. It's just that it gets co-opted pretty quickly by the mind when we imagine, when we project into the future, and when we insist that things have to go the way we think we want them to be going, <laughs> which means we want them to be going toward a sort of happiness and away from a sort of discomfort. Now, this trips us up initially because we can learn certain spiritual practices, meditative practices, mindfulness practices that sort of makes us feel better in the short run, in, in, the, in the short term, for a short time. But we don't necessarily always apply that to a, a longer term practice, or we don't necessarily try to do, a, let's say, a retreat or multiple days of ongoing meditation. If we do, we usually notice pretty quickly that meditation is not all about pleasure or states of ease. It often leads to repressed pain, repressed emotional material coming to the surface. Physical pain, even. It can really make the mind seem kind of overactivated for a time. It can make the mind seem a bit unstable, even if we sit and meditate for prolonged periods. So if we even venture into this investigation of what it means to sit in meditation or to inquire for longer periods of time, which I think many people really don't, but even if we do, we might be deterred by these uncomfortable experiences if we have a sort of deep 
belief that spirituality is supposed to just make us feel good. We should just feel blissful. We should just feel happy all the time. That's a mistake. Because then what will happen is when we start to utilize practices that are much more likely to disrupt the illusory identity of separation, then we will start to feel discomfort. Certain kinds of discomfort we're not even used to, like entering the unknown. And if all we think we want or all we think we're supposed to get out of spirituality is happiness and peace and joy and bliss, we can think we went in the wrong direction or think those practices don't work or we misapplied them or don't work. they don't work for me or whatever it is. So knowing from the beginning that there's going to be some discomfort is very, very helpful here. <clears throat> it's helpful to stabilize our orientation to truth, to stabilize our orientation to the unknown. By stabilize, I mean that it can weather the ups and downs. It can weather the ups and downs of bliss and then the downs of intense emotions we're not used to feeling, to resistance patterns, to even intense thoughts or thought storms or scary thoughts. When we stabilize our practice or our orientation in spirituality or in in this process uh, in the orientation to truth, when we stabilize it in the orientation to breaking through all illusions, including the illusions of thought, the illusions of resistance, then we're in a better place. We're no longer oriented to pleasure or always feeling good and always avoiding pain. This is really what gets people on the path to awakening in earnest, to be able to see that, cross that bridge, the bridge between the illusory world of later when, constantly seeking, constantly chasing, including spiritual experiences. That's one side of the bridge. Crossing the bridge, we arrive at this place that starts to feel rather mysterious, rather unknown. And that's a good thing. That's what we have come for if we have a deep and true and honest spiritual prompting or prompting to investigate our identity in a deep way. So this is good news when we start to feel this almost like a kind of instability or not so much of a stable foundation that we used to think existed. The foundation of thought starts to feel not so real, more illusory. This is good. This is a good thing. But we've left that initial illusion by now, the illusion that spirituality is about pleasure, about feeling good. So this is the sort of overarching meaning of what I am talking about when I say that spirituality is not about just feeling good um, and that that's a big mistake. And it's a big mistake in many spiritual communities. There are more nuanced ways of saying this. For instance, if you are susceptible to being around a certain kind of teacher that is maybe a bit unscrupulous and uses the endless promise of enlightenment that they have and you don't, whether they say that overtly or covertly or it's just implied in the interactions, that's doing you a disservice because it's feeding into your belief that it's supposed to be all pleasure. And if you're not feeling the pleasure right now, it's because you didn't you didn't earn it yet or you didn't you haven't you don't have enough merit or you don't have enough favor from that teacher or that guru. And, you know, some people really fall into this stuff because they really, you know, misunderstand their own 
spiritual orientation. Again, they think it's about a couple of different things that tend to be filters. One is seeking pleasure, and the other is seeking validation or believing that someone has something you don't. And so the first one leads into the second one. So this is another pretty big misconception in spirituality that there's some enlightened teacher out there that has has the gold cup, and maybe if I'm around them long enough, I can get a taste or something. That's just not true, you know? When you let go of that one, you're faced with a different kind of um, truth, and that is it's on you. It's all on you. You can't put this on anyone else. You can't depend on someone else to wake you up, which is a really good thing when it comes to genuine awakening, but it's a really bad thing when it comes to putting it off, putting it on the teacher, all those sorts of things. So this is a different kind of discomfort. The discomfort of letting go of the illusion of the savior, which is sort of the illusion of the parent in a way. It's also uncomfortable, a different kind of discomfort. First discomfort is the discomfort of the unknown. Now it's the discomfort of letting go of a very precious lie that we tell ourselves. Someone's going to save me, right? The spiritual teacher, the parent, the partner, the lover. It's not coming. A deity. Yeah. The promise can come, and it can keep coming in all kinds of forms. But if you're really honest with yourself, is that deeply satisfying? Or are you not going to stop short of truth, living truth? If that's your orientation, you're in a very good place here. You've already made it through two levels of discomfort, two forms of discomfort. And now we're in the shadow space. The shadow space has a lot of discomfort. And this discomfort is the discomfort of resistance. It'll feel like emotion, fear, anger, shame, resentment. If you're honest with yourself and you actually are willing to feel these things, you'll feel a lot of that. But the discomfort isn't the emotions. Emotions are not intrinsically uncomfortable because emotions are intrinsically sensation. What's uncomfortable is the resistance, and it comes in the form of narrative, judgment, beliefs about emotion, etc., etc. So this is the sort of third wave of discomfort, at least in this way of speaking, and that's resistance, resistance patterns. This can take a while, take a few years. Even, even after deeper realization, it is a sort of ongoing project, but it's more spontaneous. It's more on the spontaneous side of things, and it gets much more subtle. But resistance comes in a lot of different forms, in gross reactivity, in latent reactivity, and then in the more subtle resistance of perception, let's say. It doesn't seem like perception is resistance, but it's the subtlest form of it. It's the pulling back away to create the illusion of separation, the illusion of form, the illusion of time and space, self and other. So now we are sort of faced with a funny place where even discomfort starts losing meaning. Comfort and discomfort kind of collapse into one another. Pain and pleasure even in a certain way collapse into one another. So if you're willing to weather those stages of discomfort, they aren't constant. They will be fluctuating with pleasure and so forth. <clears throat> but if you're willing to weather those, those stages, those phases of discomfort, you'll find this kind of fascinating place, a place of equanimity, 
or you're not worried about comfort and discomfort anymore. You don't have to purposefully orient yourself away from the constant desire for pleasure and the constant aversion to pain. You don't have to orient yourself away from those purposefully and orient toward truth anymore through a practice, through inquiry, through meditation, because there seem to be illusions. Desire and aversion are illusions. And so this equanimity comes online and it's very nice. It's, it's this, this place where no matter what happens, you know things are fundamentally okay. Even if there's pain, disease, death, loss, all of those things can and will happen to all of us. It's fine. Things are fundamentally okay. It's nature. It's natural. It's, it's the natural cycles. It's the way things are. There's nothing resisting it anymore. So resistance essentially dissolves here. But you can see, as I laid out, if you start from the beginning with this idea that you're always going to feel good in spirituality or that's what it's for, you'll find other people who believe that. You'll find a teacher who will help you believe that. Like, It's just a, a deception to ourselves, and then there can be group deceptions around this as well. So don't fall for it. Be willing to be uncomfortable. Don't force yourself to be uncomfortable. You don't have to torture yourself. But just know that if you orient to truth instead of pleasure, if you orient to reality, what's really real instead of illusion, if you orient to what's already the case instead of what you want, then you will enter spaces that are uncomfortable at times. And that's okay. You can handle it. You have the capacity. So what matters really in spirituality is the orientation to truth, living truth, not what you want out of it, what you want to get out of it, or the belief that it's going to make you feel good all the time. That's it.